Welcome to the Mocktail Hour. This is for the sober curious. And the alcohol-free as fuck. <laughs> when we say uh, af af, we mean alcohol-free as fuck. But it's okay that we say some swear words. Explicit content. Yeah, I, I'm hoping that having explicit content makes us a little more interesting to some people. Well, it's real life. I really don't go around saying the F word all the time. I, I try to reserve it for when it's really needed. Yeah, it's an overused word these days, I think. I mean, you just listen to pop music and it's F that and pussy that and cracks and lick my pussy crack and all that stuff. <laughs> At least that's what I'm hearing with from my daughter's bedroom. Oh, man, that's difficult. I'm a fan of the F word, but yeah, not out on the street. It kind of upsets me when I hear it out in public. Well, here we are in public on a podcast saying alcohol-free as, as fuck. Mm-hmm. I just think I imagined you see people wearing those T-shirts or stuff that say AF on them. Yes, which means as fuck. Like we're really whatever. Bringing it. Well, we can always change that if we want later on. We don't have to say that, but I like that F-F thing. So to the point, we're your mockologists mm-hmm. and your hosts today, and we're coming to you from San Francisco's Mission District. Just steps from Dolores Park, and it's big cloud of pot. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> big cloud of pot and a big... Cushion of dog dew. Ooh. Yeah. You got to be really careful where you walk in Dolores Park and what you breathe. We weren't always sober. That's right. We weren't always sober. At least for me, it's a fairly recent phenomena. I do mean phenomena. There are people who really can't believe that I don't drink anymore. Yeah, that's a tough transitional point. It takes a while. It takes a couple years for people to get it. People still offer me a cocktail when I come over. They just don't pay attention. Well, it's like my mom, who has known that I've been dairy-free for like 20 years and still will say, would you like some cream of whatever soup or <laughs> I made fondue for dinner tonight? Nice tall glass of buttermilk. <laughs> right. With cornbread in it. Yes. And we're also newly minted mycologists. We're doing lots of research and looking online and fun cocktails that we can make every week, which we'll let you know in a few minutes. That's right. We are hoping that as our podcast progresses, we'll be able to share lots of resources and ideas with you on our social media. Oh, and lots of dumb shit, too, memes and things. We have a Facebook group, in fact, so check it out if you're truly curious about sober curiosity or if you're already FF. Request to join, and we'll add you to the mix. That's the Mocktail Hour on Facebook. Yeah, we'll add you to the mock. We're mockologists, not Not mixologists. mixologists. So we're going to have our little history. Tidbit? Yeah, history, history corner. Because there's a long history of drunkenness going back to time immemorial, right? Yes. This subject is interesting me lately a lot because I'm reading about the Barbary Coast and loving it. I mean, talk about pure gluttony. (laughs) I mean, the streets of San Francisco were a thousand times crazier than they are today with derelicts wandering around. When I think of Barbary Coast, it makes me think of 
Pirates. Is there an association with pirates? Well, there were gangs. There were about three or four big gangs down there on Kearney Street that were running the rackets, running the boardrooms and the gambling houses and all the ladies of ill repute. Yeah, there were some crazy stories of the end of the night, they'd sweep up piles of teeth on the floor and... (laughs) You know, the whores were always roofing somehow, slipping things in the guy's drink to spend more money. And Wow. I mean, we think San Francisco is a wild city now. It's nothing compared to those days. That was like the real Wild West. Mm. I think I want to look into that some more. I, I am aware recently, because I sell real estate. I'm oh, aware. you're a realtor, <laughs> Cynthia? I'm shocked. <laughs> Because I sell real estate, and because <laughs> because downtown is basically on landfill. The bay came all the way in here to the Mission District until they started filling it in. And the first thing that they filled it in with were boats. People, Carcasses of old boats. Yeah, people would just like cruise into town and park. Get wasted and forget where they parked. <laughs> and the next thing you know, their boat is like Kearney Street. Right? Yeah, I remember being a little kid and my mom bringing home a huge bag of pipes from when they were digging up for a new building down there. From the pubs, they'd give out a pipe with your beer. <laughs> and we had just stacks of pipes. Like pipes like you could Smoking smoke pipes. stuff in. Yeah, you'd get a free pipe with every beer down there. I thought you meant like she brought home like plumbing. No! <laughs> Smoking pipes. Okay. So my drunken tidbit, unfortunately, is not quite from the same era and doesn't have anything to do with San Francisco, I don't think. One of my favorite drunks of all time, EAP, which fans know as Edgar Allan Poe, EAP, I have a little connection with him because I went to school in Richmond, Virginia, and that's one of the places where Edgar Allan Poe lived. And there's still a little museum in one of the houses where he lived. And you can go there and learn all about Edgar Allan Poe. Whoa. And it's kind of cool. It's one of those, I highly recommend it, but it's one of those slightly amateur museums. Like they'll have really cool displays and stuff down on the ground floor. But by the time you work yourself up to the Top level, there'll be like a little mimeographed page about something and mm. some weird posters from the 1970s and a mishmash. Oh. It's not as well curated. Yeah, I was going to say. But for that reason alone, it's kind of fun to visit. Anyway, so I was thinking about Edgar Allan Poe. He said, and I quote, For a brief period while I resided in Richmond and edited The Messenger, I certainly did give way at long intervals to the temptation held out on all sides by the spirit of Southern conviviality. Ooh, maybe a little mint julep? (laughs) (laughs) Whatever convivials you into a drunken stupor, I think he was definitely a binger. People say, sometimes you hear that he used opium and stuff like that Mm -hmm. because some of his his stories are kind of trippy that way. But I seem to have read by looking online that he wasn't an opium user. He just had a vivid imagination. But he died in Baltimore, and they just found him on the street. And the story was that 
he drank himself to death that he may or maybe it was the dts the liver probably shut down but there's an interesting little twist on that in that some theories have said that it may have been due to it was alcohol related but it had to do with this dubious electoral scam which i think is interesting and these days with all the election politics going on ugh is right. But they used to have these gangs that would hang out at taverns, and taverns were the polling places, Mm -hmm. right? And so there were these gangs of guys who worked for these unscrupulous politicians Mm -hmm. who would do this thing called cooping, which is where they would either beat the shit out of you or get you drunk, or maybe both. Yeah, like a Shanghai yeah, they'd Shanghai you into voting. They would make you vote maybe more than once. In fact, they think that's what happened to Edgar Allan Poe because he was found wearing this really silly straw hat and he didn't have his usual nice jacket on like he was in a... Ooh, mystery. I love that. Funny disguise. And Weird. Poor guy. That's an undignified way to go. For, yeah, for such a talented guy, for sure. So anyway... That's my drunken election story about Edgar Allan Poe. Wow. Well, let's get into something more contemporary. Okay. I wonder if you have a story for us today. No, no. Before we do that, we need to do our mocktail. Here's the fun part, guys. I went to Baja last March and got hooked on these things called the panchito, (laughs) which is basically a pina colada without any booze. Man, it'll keep you going for hours. So is there a sugar high involved or is it? Oh, yeah. I mean, this one comes with a caramel swirl, which I'm going to omit today. But we're just looking at pineapple juice, coconut milk, fresh pineapple, Coconut extract, brown sugar, and crushed ice. I have the the pineapple juice. I'm sorry, it's the canned kind, but That's we fine. can use that today, right? That's fine. You see, I've already opened a can. Yes, we got it all laid out. So we are going to add uh, a cup of each. We've got eight tall glasses because we're going to have friends over later. <laughs> <laughs> I don't Panchi- have a history what, on it. I'm going to say that a guy named Pancho created this recipe, and now it's the Panchito because he named it after himself. So we're having a Panchito party after this today? Yes. Because I hadn't planned on that. When we have a break, I'm going to text the handyman and let him know that there's yes, a party. Yes, come on down. But yeah, it does. it's like an instant vacation, and I lived on them. Lots of energy for swimming in the pool and laying out and... <laughs> Completing that vacation feel without feeling like you have to take a three-hour booze nap. You needed energy for laying out next to the pool? Well, needed a cool drink, for sure. And you can decorate it so it looks extra festive, I'm assuming? Well, it's it's just a nice whipped white concoction, really. I mean, this one has a caramel swirl. Mine did not down there. It was just very basic. Okay, so I've got two glasses here. Yeah. And the blender. 
Yep. So you want to start or tell yes. me what to pour in first? If you could pour in uh, a cup of the pineapple juice. Okay, hang on. All righty. Okay. Is that right? Yep. One cup. Yeah. Okay. And then a equal part cup of uh, the coconut milk. Okay, hang on. I've got two. I've got a can open for you here. All right. Thank you. And I chopped up some fresh pineapple just for some texture. Mm. Make it like a smoothie. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That'll make up for the canned juice. Yeah, and I'm not going to throw the brown sugar in there. There's enough sugar in there. This, this drink is a little bit of a diabetic coma in the making. <laughs> Panchita. I don't know. I can't think of anything. Okay. I tried. Do we need to add ice? Oh, shoot. I forgot my ice. Yeah. Okay. Hang on. I put the ice in. Crushed ice to the blender and right. hi. Here we go. All right. Alrighty, I'm gonna slip those into two glasses for now. We'll put the rest in the fridge for our party later. Okay, here's mine. Here's mine. Hey, cheers! Wow, that is tasty. It's like a vacation in a glass. Yeah, I feel like I've been transported to some island, mm -hmm. the sugar island. Especially in winter when it's cold and yucky and you're dreaming of warm weather, the panchito will cure what ails you. Yeah, well, vacation in a glass is a great idea. Do you remember, I don't know if this was your experience, but as a new mom, mm -hmm. I remember like the first or second or maybe, basically I was in a coma after my first baby. <laughs> Anything could have, I don't know what happened really. You mean like postnatal depression or? Post, I was just, it was like, I never really did psilocybin mushrooms or LSD. Ooh. But it's what I imagined that would be like. From just loss of sleep, you think? Just loss of my mind after the baby came. Wow. Like I was, I may as well have been put on. Venus or something and told to walk around I was it was challenging for me but I remember how a shower was like a week in Hawaii yes it was luxurious time mm -hmm. away from that child yes. in the shower it is a hard transition to make and we don't all love our babies instantly well I, I somebody love... had to tell me that because I felt so guilty I was just holding this screaming thing going oh. I don't know if I love it <laughs> keeps me up at night I was really into the pregnancy I thought wow this is great I'm gonna have a baby <laughs> and I finally made it like I'm a, a real woman uh -huh. I'm having a baby but then the baby showed up. It was kind of like, oh. This is a lot of work. Yeah, what was I thinking? Yeah. And I was reading that book by Anne Lamott. I um, love her. I don't love her hair, though, Cynthia. You don't? I well, can't deal with her hair. If you all don't know who Anne Lamott is, just <laughs> look her up, and you can see what her hair looks like. I think it's dreadlocks. It or... is dreads. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in that book that she wrote called Operating Instructions, yes, she talks about the decision to, I think, 
She talks about the decision to go with the dreads because her hair was so difficult to work with. Oh, well, then uh, I don't not like her anymore. It was like it's a, a functional thing. I don't blame like her. It was like an ethnic person's hair problem. But Operating Instructions is where she, the book she wrote about her son's first year. Oh. And she, she got pregnant, and then she decided that she should quit drinking. So it's a great book because it's her writing about being a single mom, living on a houseboat in Sausalito mm-hmm. with a newborn and almost no support no at all. No coping mechanism. And also, yeah, being sober. And wow. that's when she found Jesus and everything. Oh. Right. You yes. Know. I read Help, Please, Thanks. Right. Loved it. Yeah. Well, you should read Operating Instructions. It's really funny. And I read it while I was nursing. Mm-hmm. I would be in my little this little room in my little rocking chair trying to nurse the baby mm-hmm. and laughing hysterically, crying. <laughs> and I so related to her because she talked about how at moments she would be so in love with this little baby. Mm-hmm. She'd look at him and go, oh, I love you so much. And then finally she'd get him to go to sleep. And just as she was trying to go to sleep, the baby would start crying. Mm. And she would say, Oh my God, the creature is rearing its ugly exactly. head. Exactly. It's one or the other. I'm like Shirley MacLaine in terms of endearment. I would just hang, a, oh my God, he's dead. He's not moving. He's not breathing. And then when he'd wake up, I'd be like, it's too early. Go back to sleep. <laughs> I love you. Please just go back to sleep. Yes. Right? Both. If only we could do that with our partners, our husbands. Because, mm. you know, they'd like to nap. They want to go to sleep. I wish mine would nap. He doesn't nap? Not really. He's not much of I love a nap. I love a 4 p.m. little snooze with Ellen in the background. With Ellen? <laughs> Why Ellen? I just love Ellen. I think she's great. She's reassuring. Yes. She's comforting. I know. She does so much for the world. She does that, but she's also funny. And it's never, it never stings. No. And she gives away money every day. People don't like Ellen, though. There's people who really don't like her. I know. It's because she's friends with George Bush. Oh. That's oh, the big drama. It's the Texas connection. I know. And George, bless his heart, he's a sweet guy, but he was a crappy president, and he's kind of a dumbass. <laughs> well, okay. So I forgive Ellen that... Um, <laughs> You have a story? I have a story. Oh my God. Do I have uh, a story? On the topic of alcohol not working anymore, when I finally decided to go out on my own and design, I was so on track with getting out and meeting as many people as I could and going to every party and getting on every list and every showroom and meeting as many other designers that could inspire me or teach me in any way because I was essentially Mm self-taught. The bulk of my career, I worked in corporate insurance. I didn't know that. Yes. Corporate insurance? Brokerage. Boy, talk about a bad fit. Bad match. But I mean, I think any of the Gen Xers that were coming of age thought they had to work in an office. Oh, yuck. All my generation thought, okay, I'm going to get a job in an office and be 
Like that movie Clock Watchers, where you're just like, okay, five o'clock, time to go home, time to go to the bar. That's kind of what I think now when I see all the techies here in San Francisco lined up for the Google bus in the morning. Yeah, They're like in a line. It's 6.30 or 7 in the morning. They've got their lattes. And... I mean, they may as well be getting on the bus and going down to the mines or something. It's the same concept. Uh, it just doesn't look good to me. That's yeah. why I'm a real estate agent. But <laughs> are you a realtor, <laughs> Cynthia? <laughs> okay, so back to you. So, yeah, back to me. And I, after my second child was born, I just made a pact. I'm like, I'm not going back to a cubicle. I'm not going back to insurance. It's just not me. I just, I stuck out like a sore thumb. I couldn't be myself. I really didn't know that I had a creative ability. Like I didn't have the confidence that I could be a creative, Uh even though my mom is an accomplished artist and painter. Like I never could paint or do artsy craftsy things. I was terrible at it. We've talked about that in the past. Yeah. You said you're crappy at crafts. I am too. Oh, yeah? Oh, I'm the worst. But it doesn't give you hives like it does me. Oh, it gives me hives just thinking about it. I see glitter and I break out in a sweat. Well, that was a problem. Glitter is sweat provoking. (laughs) I, I don't. As a new mom, I remember all the moms around me like going, oh, let's felt wool or let's make some dolls or let's knit. And I'm like, get me away from that knitting needle. Yeah. That's, like, can we go to a me. bar? <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> Is there someone who can watch my child? No, I don't want a play date. Hate the play uh, dates. <laughs> All right. Yes. So I'm sorry. I interrupted you again. No, always. That's the fun part. I just had to reassess things. And I just, after being a mom, your brain changes. You're not, it's too hard to go and sit at a desk and peck at a computer for eight hours. When you're used to running around and doing diapers and things just changed. I met this really wonderful gay man at a party. I think it was about 2008. And he said, oh my God, I work at this amazing design firm. Mm -hmm. Like you would be like the perfect like reception, like front of house person, answer the phone, fill the coffee, do the flowers and change the diapers. Yeah. Yeah, And I, I told him, I said, I love it. I dress well. I love fashion, fashion and design intersect all the time. So Mm -hmm. why not? I'll, I'll apply. And he said, you've got to get this. This guy is going places. He's going to be famous. Okay. And I'm, I've always been a little bit of a fame whore. Uh-huh. So <laughs> I, I interviewed. I got the job. Started I mean, why working. Why wouldn't you get the job? You're perfect. They didn't actually use me as the reception person. I ended up working on projects. So I ended up using my art background and sourcing art for mm-hmm. projects and mm-hmm. running around doing little bits here and there just to help out on projects. I certainly wasn't doing any designing. Mm-hmm. But I really caught a bug working there. I was there about a year and got laid off because 08 hit and everything kind of stalled. Oh, don't, yeah. Your favorite year of the last century, I'm sure. (laughs) Real estate agent's dream come true. Yeah, right. (laughs) We bought our house six months before the market tanks. I'm so sorry. Yeah, suckage. (laughs) So... 2009 until about 2015, I swam my way through learning my own 
way in the interior design world and did my best to cobble together a few projects here and there. But in the process, I went to a lot of parties. Oh, yeah. But I never got anywhere because I always got too drunk. I, yeah. I mean, I would go straight to the bar. 30 seconds later, so-and-so leaves out the door that I was supposed to talk to. And I'm sitting there going, oh, I'm such an idiot. I had too much to drink too soon. And I really needed to talk to that person. And it happened over and over again for years and years. The parties were fun. Yeah. But the people I was meant to be schmoozing with, I had a few base friends that were wild and crazy. Uh But even at one point, there was a tequila company that was sponsoring it. And they had this massive, massive split of tequila at the bar. And we were all ordering. And I looked to a friend of mine and I was like, he was ordering, distracting the waiter, grabbed the bottle, stuck it in my coat. Oh, my. Yes. Really? What were you, 16? Right? (laughs) I thought it was hilarious. They all thought it was hilarious. Mm -hmm. And so we took the bottle. You were already drunk at this point. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't have had the courage to do that. Yeah. So we grabbed that bottle and made our own cocktails in the back room and had our own party. It narrowed my scope of opportunity throughout my whole attempt at a career. Mm -hmm. Being on my own. Same intersection with my dad's career, too. He worked and worked and worked drunk for years. Mm-hmm. Nothing ever took off. And years after he was finally stabilized sober, mm-hmm. he started making money. There's a direct connection to like being clear-headed and able to really make good choices and not take the easy path. Well, you might think that in a design world mm-hmm. or anything that requires creativity and imagination... There is definitely a, well, spoken or unspoken axiom that, yeah, of course you've got to get high to inspire your creativity. Especially with such a gay-heavy industry. I mean, the gay community has its own troubles with drinking. What, are you saying that gay people drink more than straight people? I wouldn't know those facts, (laughs) but I know that gay culture is very alcohol focused yeah from growing up here and having so many friends in the industry and gay wow. friends that have tried to stop drinking that don't get the support what are you a wet blanket let's go up dancing come on just doesn't work for some people anymore and well they... the culture is i mean not just gay culture the culture supports the that. impairment you're supposed to be everything's better with alcohol Yeah. And it just isn't. No, not in the end. And I'd wake up the next day and I, you know, to have my little list of talk to so-and-so, chat with this person, Mm -hmm. find out who works here, get to know. And then it would just all melt away because I was back by the DJ booth rocking out by myself (laughs) or talking to the waiter or something. Right. (laughs) I don't know. It's really difficult to make good choices I mean, one of the little mottos we came across was bad choices make good stories. You couldn't have told me that I was making any bad choices Mm -hmm. when I was drinking. Until you're on the other side and you have some clarity around it, it definitely takes stopping altogether to 
really put all those puzzle pieces together. But we're not saying that you, our listeners, should stop. There's no need to stop. You're listening to this because maybe you're curious about what it might be like if you stopped. Yeah. And there is a clarity that comes mm-hmm. from stopping. I have a, a story that's like a on the same theme. Mm-hmm. There's this person I know who I've known a long time, mm-hmm. and she's so sweet and smart and so dear. I, I really love her and admire her. Mm. But when she's drinking, it doesn't take much. Actually, I would say as soon as three or four sips of wine pass oh, her like lips, switch. she starts getting really sassy, mm. and then she gets really belligerent. She's entertaining and charming. Like People would say, oh, she's fabulous. Yeah. How fun. And she'll be saying something playful, and then there's like this little twisty jab at the end. Mm. Like, yeah. ouch. I mean, she'll even kind of literally curl her lip up, like... Snarl. Like a little snarl. And, you know, it makes me want to say, Mom, you've really... Okay, it's my mom. Ha! <laughs> Sorry, Mom, I'm talking about you. <laughs> I have to tell you. <laughs> it's my mother. Oh, and, no! But my point, my point is that... And she is charming and lovely. But Does she it, have a computer, Cynthia? Oh, yeah. Is she going to listen to this episode? I, yeah. I'm sorry, Mama. Um, <laughs> she will be listening. I think I'm maybe the only one who notices that little mean edge mm. that comes on. But the apple doesn't fall very far from the tree. And what I, or I guess the grape from the vine... When I was drinking, mm-hmm. I definitely got really mean. I thought I was fun. I never really noticed how... I can't imagine you being mean. This little mean streak came into me. And it especially showed up in my relationships with men. Alcohol was definitely the lubricant <laughs> that got me into those relationships, right? Mm-hmm. For better or for worse. I think after the age of 18, there was always alcohol involved. I would pick fights. Yeah, I would be so mean, not knowing I was mean. So I would pick a fight. And luckily, the guys I was with were generally not inclined toward being violent or anything. I wasn't living in the trailer park. But I'd get some heat back. And I would be so bewildered. Like, why are they talking to me that way? Yeah. And I only love him. And I would get all trembly and fragile and and think how could he be so mean and uh, why does he it back on other people i mean it was just awful and when i look back now that i've been sober for a while in my relationship with the handyman he and i haven't had a single real fight or argument yeah. since i quit drinking we had an argument the other day over that the theme for the bridge on the River Kwai. That's it, right? I, they whistle. Yes. That's a hard thing to whistle. Mm. Whistling, whistling's hard. Well, anyway, so the handyman was whistling the secondary theme to Bridge on the River Kwai, which you would not be able to pull up in your head. No. And I was saying that's not the main theme in the Bridge on the River Kwai. This is do 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 do. And he said, yes, I know, that's the main theme. Mm -hmm. But I was whistling the other theme. And I said, yeah, but that's not the main theme. This is the main theme. And this was at breakfast. So we had like this silly argument about the bridge on the River Kwai. (laughs) And then 
we realized that it was just a silly argument mm -hmm. over a, a movie from the 1950s, right? 50s? 50s, yeah. If I had been drinking, that argument would have become... Escalated. Ugly. Yeah. Totally and, ugly instead of amusing. Yeah. The, the first time I had a little seed dropped in my head about reducing my drinking was a summer in Texas when my dad was there and nobody ever pressured me to stop drinking. My husband just patiently waited for me to figure it out on my own. And I think my dad had dropped some breadcrumbs because you can't ever tell somebody, you know what, you really shouldn't take a break or right. that just makes people mad. Right. You want to but fight? But I remember we were at the breakfast table one day and he had no shirt on. My dad hates shirts. He All year round, he's shirtless. Really? Yeah. So he just shirts. like, well, when he's coming into the house, has he got a shirt on? No. When he hangs out at home, he's shirtless. He just <laughs> wears shorts and it's Texas and he doesn't like it. My son is the same way. Oh, that's funny. And unknowingly, I'm like, you're just like your grandpa. I think it's genetic. It must be. In the dead of winter, he's shirtless. <laughs> Never shirted. He was talking about not drinking and he kind of sat back and he's, he, he circled his chest and he said, alcohol bathes your heart. <laughs> Start crying. Oh, no. <laughs> alcohol bathes your heart in darkness. <gasps> and it stuck with me. Oh, man. And I thought, wow, that resounded uh. because only dark things seem to be happening. And it's cloaked in lightness and frivolity. Yes, yes, yes. It takes your heart and bathes it in darkness. Wow. And that just was enough for me to like, wow, that stuck with me. And it was probably years before I tapered off, but set the tone there, yeah. Well, Sunny Mary, I think that's our ending note. What a graceful... <laughs> What a graceful... Where's the tissue? Oh, Is this supposed have... to be a funny podcast, I have... Cynthia? I have some. Let me get it here. It's actually right here. I'm getting it. Oh, thank you. Here you go. But oh, don't, boy. Don't start me crying. I'm a professional. Uh-oh. I'm really good. I rarely cry, but oh. that one got me. Just saying it out loud was oh. tough. Your daddy. Yeah. All right, so... The moral of the story, alcohol really doesn't serve us that well. At least Sonny and I have found that it mm -hmm. doesn't serve us. And in fact, it might bathe your heart in darkness. Mm -hmm. it's something to think about. Mm -hmm. A resource for you. Everybody knows about AA. There's a lot of great things to be said for AA. We're going to talk about Alcoholics Anonymous plenty, I'm Ooh. sure. There are alternatives if it doesn't ring true for you. One of those is something called Smart Recovery. It's a support system that uses cognitive behavioral therapy to change your bad habits surrounding alcohol use disorder. Also eating disorders, sex addiction, and all that stuff. They have in-person and online meetings, and there's lots of stuff available on their website. That's at smartrecovery.org. I think we're going to have show notes and all that stuff eventually. So Ooh, fancy. Eventually you'll be able to find that on our website. And we always welcome your mocktails and your questions. Follow us at Instagram at the Mocktail Hour and also on Facebook, the Mocktail Hour. 
That's mocktail with a T-A-L-E. Yes. And by the time you're hearing this, our website may be live at mocktailhour.com. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.